Welcome to the Audio Pro Network Mentorship Platform podcast series. I am Joe Muccio, the founder of Audio Pro Network, the private social network for audio pros with a separate mentorship platform for the next generation. In this podcast series, we will do interviews with industry leaders across all related audio vocations, audio posts, live audio, game audio, and of course, the music industry and more hopefully gaining some insight into what it takes to create a long and prosperous career in audio. Today's episode is co-hosted by Audio Pro Network member Bobby Green, and our guest today is award-winning composer Louis Robert King. Hello, guys. How are we doing today? Doing great, Joe. Great to be here. Good. How are you? I'm doing great, Bobby. Thanks for being my co-host today. Um, so let's jump right in. I appreciate you doing this, Lou. Do you like Louis or Lou? Lou's good. Okay. So, Lou, when did you get into the industry? Because I always like to start these podcasts with how did you actually break in? Everybody has an origin story. So give us a brief description of what yours was. I, I got really lucky, really. Um, I had I graduated Berkeley. Uh, uh, eight, eight, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Uh, well, I wasn't sure exactly where to go. And uh, I had a prof- I asked a professor for some some guidance, and he said, "Well, look, no matter what city you go to, you're going to starve." He said, "You should probably starve in a city that has work, <laughs> so you need to get out of Boston, and you should move to either New York or L.A." Uh, and I never really felt like an L.A. kind of guy, but I had my mm. best friend was moving to New York, so a couple of weeks after graduation, we moved to New York. I then proceed spending you know, months trying to get a foot in an industry. Yeah. And, you know, my expectation was what I thought was most likely is that I would end up doing arrangements for artists. Yeah. I, you know, that was part of my background at Berkeley. It was kind of composition and arranging and it was like, okay, so I want to, you know, I want to be doing that kind of a thing. And, you know, we're talking about the early '90s. It's not like you could go online and make connections or anything. It's like yeah. it was. It was very much I like I feel you. Yeah. You know, you're a, you're a you're a you're a drop in an ocean of New York City, and it's like, how do you find the people? So I did I did a lot of I did a lot of outreach to things that really came up with nothing, and my my best friend had gotten got an internship at a, a music production company, uh, and. At some point, maybe three months after we were in town, they were looking for an assistant. Mm. They had an opening, and he recommended me. So I came in and interviewed, and they hired me. And that's really it. I mean, I got that lucky to be able to, three months after I was in New York, I was in the middle of a music production company. Now, of course, the work I was doing was making copies of tapes, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, it was all the usual grunt work that you might expect. But having said that, what was really, what was really great about it was there was an acknowledgement of, well, if he could do something, he should do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, everybody, you know, everybody recognized pretty quickly that I knew my way around an orchestra. So. You, they had six composers. None of them were really trained in that world. They were all very talented musicians, and I think mm-hmm. some of them may have actually had maybe a performance degree. Um, but they really weren't like, let's write something for an orchestra. So they used to hire outside orchestrators regularly. 
Um, but then the the owner at one point had something and he was like, well, why don't we just have Lou do it? He knows what he's doing. So I ended up, you know, doing the first uh, ad that I orchestrated, did it, you know, it went great. And then the next thing you know, I'm now wearing a couple of hats. I'm like, wow. I'm kind of staff orchestrator by default. Yeah. So anything that yeah. comes in that's like jazz, big band, orchestra, string section, no matter what it was, I was, you know, and I was working with composers, making it better. And then by the same token, you know, I'm cleaning, <laughs> I'm cleaning the studios. I'm normalizing consoles. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm helping, you know, whatever the composer needs as an assistant. And I used to, I used to have to cover three rooms at a time. So during your shift, you'd be working it with three different composers at the same time, depending on who really needed you. Um, so I, it was, it was really without that, without that, without that foundation, I'd never have a career. It's like college put me in a great place to be able to take advantage of an opportunity so that, you know, I knew how to write everything. You know, when I showed up at a session, it's like, it wasn't any, well, what's this? Or, you know, mistakes in the parts. It's like you, you had your, you had your stuff together. You walked in, you knew what you were doing. And then the opportunities would come on top of it because you, you were successful at what they asked you to do. You were competent. You were the, you were the guy in the room who could do it. And that's what catapulted you as a young man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really being able to take advantage of opportunities when they present themselves. And, you know, I mean, even to that end, it's like when I started at this place, this is, this is going to sound very foreign these days, but I had never worked on a computer. I mean, sure, I had used a computer for word processing or something <laughs> yeah. at the time, but I never did music on a computer. Yeah. I, never touched, I never touched a reel-to-reel machine. When I was at Berkeley, we used to live in the recording studios, but I was writing and arranging stuff. I didn't record any of it. Yeah. So I walk in here and I had to learn how to use a console, how to use a tape deck, how to use, yeah. I mean, everything. Yeah. I'd never used any of that. So I found, you know, I was usually there, you know, much like you were saying, it's like, you know, you're there at night learning the synclavier, you think it's the same thing. It's like you're there on weekends and you're just writing to write. And you're just, you know, you're just trying to learn how to use everything. And, uh, uh, it's, it, it, it was an amazing time to be able to be that immersed in the craft, be learning and getting those opportunities at the same time. So what has changed now is, uh, access to software. Um, all, all of these different audio schools where you can all go learn the craft, you know, come out and know how to use all this stuff. But then there's still like a real world workflow thing that's missing. Yeah, I think I think it's it's the you know writing a piece of music is one thing. Writing a piece of music for people who aren't musicians is a very different thing. Um, being able to work with people who aren't musicians and have a conversation about music, and being able to understand and interpret comments that they might make, and turn that into you know, turn that into something in your, in your music is a huge part of the job. And it takes time to get that. And you can't, it, you know, you could give people tips, but -hmm. the truth is, is you only do it by experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because even, I mean, everybody's comments, I mean, everybody communicates differently. So you you what you'll what you'll start to find is is that you'll get a language with a person uh, you know and hopefully mm-hmm. you're getting to work with people more than once 
um, you're going to start to kind of understand how they, when they say something, you know, these are the words, but what they really mean or what they're referring to is this. And the word may or may not be an accurate one, but you'll, you know, you'll start to get the feel of what they mean and how to take those comments and, and, and influence it. Um, You know, I think that what I've always said is, the, the big thing that separates an amateur from a professional is revisions. Mm-hmm. Anybody can write a piece of music. Yeah, yeah. Now what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to change that piece of music because you've had it stuck in your head and this is what you think it's supposed to be. Well, no, 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 that's not what it's supposed to be. Yeah. I want it to be this. And this may be completely counterintuitive to what you think it should be. It may not be the best musical choice. Mm-hmm. There are a whole bunch of negatives that may come along with it, but that doesn't really matter. That's not your job. Your job here is that we're trying to you know, your, your music is serving something else. It's not your vision. It's the vision and the purpose of whatever you've been hired to do. So whether it's for an ad or it's for a film or it's for a TV show, you have to have the ability and the understanding of putting your ego and your own artistic extremes to the side and trying to make the best piece of music you can make uh, within the realm of what they want. Yeah. Yeah. That's really where the rubber meets the road. Um, yeah. That first piece is, is one thing and being able to say, well, this is a job. Now I have to change it and jump through all the hoops to make that, that happen. So Bobby, do you have any questions for Lou? I'm sure you've got a ton of questions because, uh, Lou is a really interesting guy and I know he's got a lot of stuff up in his cranium to uh, <laughs> to let loose on us. So, and I know you have some good questions. Uh, why don't I hand it off to you? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, first off, Lou, thank you so much for doing this. Um, it's been great just you know hearing your story so far um, and your experience in the industry. Um, I guess my first question would be, uh, you know, perhaps a, a pretty typical question from someone in my position, and that's. Um, uh, Obviously, the landscape of the industry has changed a lot um, in the last several decades. And um, from what you've seen and what you've experienced uh, with where the industry is now in 2021, um, what would your advice be to be uh, uh, to someone who, you know, is coming out of or fairly recently out of uh, music school? or perhaps self-educated who, um, you know, has the technical skills, um, but is, doesn't quite have the, uh, hands-on experience or the, uh, portfolio and is trying to break into the industry. Well, I, I think what I would probably do, or what I would probably recommend is you should, you shouldn't have one goal. You should probably have a a few different options of places you might want to end up because whatever it is you think you're going to end up doing, that's not going to be it. Um, and you're going to increase your chances of success if you have some uh, options that you think would be interesting. And the other thing is you're not really going to know what you love or don't love in the music industry if you don't try a bunch of things. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I thought I would come out of college. I thought I would be doing, you know, arrangements, you know, string arrangements on albums and all kinds of things. And that did not happen for a very long time. So, you know, 
you want to meet as many people as you can possibly meet. The more people you know, the more people can put you in a position to have work. But they're all kind of, it's all kind of what you're trying to do. So if, let's say that you're like, well, what I want to do is I want to compose music for film. Well, if you want to compose music for film, you need to, you need to meet filmmakers. And, you know, the filmmakers you're going to meet aren't going to be, you know, Scorsese and, and Spielberg. <laughs> They're going to be young filmmakers. The, the smartest thing is to meet young filmmakers who are starting out so that you can form relationships that will, will blossom over time. Uh, the other, the other possible route in that arena is you could become an assistant for a composer, which is an, another way to get yourself into the sphere of that work. Mm. And then hopefully you make some relationships that put you in a, a slightly, put you a few steps sooner to some better, larger work than the kind of starting at everybody at zero. Um, but those are, from 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 a film composer standpoint of view, those would be probably the two the two biggest. And there's probably four or five other routes that are a, a bit more complex that that don't come to my mind immediately. But those are the most common, and I, you know I hesitate to say easiest because none of them are going to mm-hmm. be easy. Um, and then you know so what and then there's all the well what else is it that you want to do it's like well maybe you think you want to be a film composer but you know maybe you'd you'd have a great career as a recording engineer or maybe you'd have a great career as you know another facet in that machine so if you can get work as one of those things like i see a lot of young composers who also will do the film mix on a film mm. uh we're usually talking like short films um, they'll do the sound design, they'll do the Foley work, they'll do the mix. Now me, I have no interest in that. I never have. Um, but if that's something that interests you, that's going to help you get the foot in the door. And in fact, if you're doing that work, you might meet some young filmmakers who maybe their short film doesn't have music. Maybe it does. Maybe they, you know, just pulled some library music or there isn't any, but they're still going to need someone to mix it. So now you can start to have a relationship with a director by doing the film mix or doing the sound design. Right. Yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunities out there where, um, they might be people that aren't, you know, they have no fame yet. You know, there are lots of student films. I find it very intriguing to go to like um, animators, look at these very, very talented uh, young animators that are creating these amazing films. And I feel like if I was a young guy in the game again, I would be drawn to those people and be offering my sound services and my music services to them, even for free, just so that I can get the experience and meet someone who may potentially, you know, uh, um, become uh, someone of note later, later on. Um, I, I think so many careers are launched, you know, launched that way when you're, you're almost starting off at the same point in your careers yeah, and you both kind of grow together, and, and there are many uh, relationships, obviously, with directors and composers that you know you can com- make this comparison to. Absolutely, 
you know, and like, and then, like I said, depending on what other arena as a, you know, let's say a media composer for lack of a better phrase, um, you know, there would be other ways to go. It's like, if you're like, well, I really want to do music for advertising. Well, you probably need to find, to introduce yourself to, uh, music production companies, jingle houses, and see if they're looking for someone who, you know, on occasion who, who writes the kind of music that you write. Um, and basically that's just cold calling and putting yourself out there. Uh, and then, you know, there's music production libraries and that's kind of the same thing. You reach out to a music production library and you, you give them an example of what you do and either they're interested in what you do or they're not. And then you move on to the next one. But none of those things are, you know, um, staff, you know, jobs, right? Like, you know, you're you're not going to go to a music library and they're going to say, okay, well, here's a here's a nine to five job. <laughs> you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I would say there are a f- you a few of those still exist in advertising, but there are very few of them, and they, you know, it's it openings don't come along very often. It's kind of the nature of the business. It's like there was yeah. a time when there was so much material being written that there really wasn't much downtime in a year or in a in a 3 or 4 year span. There might be a slow couple months here or there, but there was definitely a steady amount of work that could could cover um the cost of having being responsible for staff. Most music production companies uh, that are doing advertising music rely on freelancers and they rely on some staff, but it, it tends to be small. And, you know, in some ways it's a buyer's market. So there mm-hmm. was a time when they had to provide the facility, the recording studio, everything that you would use to be able to create the music, they had a they had to provide it. So the fact that they would be very selective, you would get hired, you were kind of you were part of the the family, the staff is one thing. It's like now, well, if I want someone who does a really good hip hop track, well, you know, I could find 20 guys who are going to, you know, who are very good at it. And I may only need someone to write a hip hop track three times a year. Yeah. Yeah. So I can, you know, I've got my hip hop guys. I call them when I need them. So, you know, there's, there's definitely, that certainly plays a part in it too. Uh, that just the, the, uh, the number of composers that are out there, you know, make it a lot easier for you to be able to get quality talent uh, at a at a moment's notice. So I so I think what I'm hearing is um, you need to basically be keeping your options open and seeing what the world gives you. Uh, absolutely, I think I think you have to. I think you have to. Your career is going to flow like a river. You're not really that much in control of it. You can influence it. You can. You can certainly try and point it in directions by, you know, making choices and putting an effort in to be able to do something. It's like you're not going to score a film if you don't put in the work of trying to meet the people so that you can score a film. Right. But by the same token, there are plenty of stories where someone never scored a film. A director really liked their album and their music and they scored a film. Yeah. It, you know, that can happen, too. That's not the best way to get there, but it happened. Mm-hmm. But for you know, you may end up with one intention and end up with a very satisfying career in another place, and then opportunities that you didn't expect to pop up. I mean, for my career, there's been a lot of that. I mean, 
you know, 30 years ago, if you went to LA and you wanted to be a film composer, there was enough work and you could, and that's pretty much what it was in LA that if you got in, that was kind of a long, steady career that you would have. New York has always been a bit more of a, um, what people need at the time. And this is true of musicians too. You know, you, you have a musician who plays on a Broadway show, they do a jingle gig, they're working on an album, they're, do, they're playing on someone else's album. You know, you really have to be able to wear a lot of hats and do a lot of different things, a lot of different styles and really be well-versed musically across the board. And I feel like for composers in New York, it's not that dissimilar um, because, you know, I start off at a jingle house and I'm doing that and I'm, I'm doing orchestrating. And then I end up leaving there and going freelance. And for a while I just orchestrated commercials for about a year and a half. And then I started doing more writing for commercials. And then at the same time, I got opportunities to do some orchestrating for film. Mm -hmm. Just kind of, I wasn't looking for it. I just got the phone call and then I did that. And then I did some, I did some orchestrations for, for an album, for a, uh, for like a Broadway, for like a cabaret singer. I didn't seek that out. It found me, you know, and then that whole world, that whole world kind of started to change once early two thousands, a lot of that, a lot of the recording of that stuff was going on overseas. So people really weren't looking for New York orchestrators because, you know, it wasn't going to get recorded here anyway. So yeah. then I was, you know, solely doing, com- for the most part, doing composing for, for, for advertising. And then after a little while, I had more of the ilk of, you know, I like this and this is great work, but I, I'd really like to be doing something that's a bit more artistically uh, engaging. So then I started putting the effort towards meeting filmmakers and directors and getting into that world. And then you start doing that. And then you meet people. And maybe that introduces you to something else. And then on the side, uh, then out of the blue a few years ago, I got a call. Someone needs some strings on a tune. I do some string sweetening. And then, you know, last year I did some string sweetings on like three songs. And then a band reaches out and says, hey, we'd like to co-write an album with you. So I'm doing all kinds of things that are all over the place. Some of them are that I'm putting an effort towards, and some of them are just kind of a snowball rolling down a hill that one thing begets <laughs> another. Yeah, that's great. And uh, that actually kind of goes with something I wanted to ask about, too, because um, you talked a lot about how, um, you know, it's it's kind of better to be open to a variety of things rather than uh, focusing strictly on trying to do, you know, one thing or just a couple of things. I mean, I I think it's good to I think it's good to be open to different things. I mean, right. they all have similar skill sets in some way, shape, or form. I mean, yeah. it depends on it depends on your thing. I mean, if you're if you're a real synth heavy, you know, kind of Stranger Things mm-hmm. composer, you know, orchestral work is probably not you know, no one's going to call you up to do a, a string suite and on a tune. But you know, there are other things that that you that you might be open to and opportunities. And, you know, I think it all depends on your personality. For me, part of the reason why I always like writing music for advertising is, is that you always got to do something different. It was never the same thing day after day after day. You weren't writing the same kind of music. There were, you know, it was a lot of different things. And you also had to stay current. Um, You know, production values change, what things, I mean, a film score 
for an action movie today versus a film score from an action movie in 1995 versus an action movie in 1978, they're completely different pieces of music. And you've got to be able to stay on top of what all those things sound like and stay current. So it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great impetus for uh, learning and it's a great opportunity to be able to do some different things. Yeah, that's great. And, and, to me personally, I find it exciting to uh, you know be able to do a lot of different things in your career. Um, and I'm curious because uh, you know, as you mentioned, you've done a lot of different things. You know, from orchestrating to uh, jingles, library music, film music uh, series. I see that you've done. Um, do you have a favorite, or uh, is it more just um, the variety of it is what's most exciting? I, I think I like the variety. At this point, I don't know that I would say I have a favorite, which is, I, well, I shouldn't say. I there's it's It is a wonderful experience to be working on music for music's sake because right. music is yeah. really the most important part. You're, mm-hmm. it, everything is about the music. Uh, if I'm doing a string suite and I'm still supporting someone else's larger vision, um, but still it's like you're the, 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 uh, the things you have to adjust to or take into consideration are, are far smaller. I mean, basically it's, you know, the vocalist that's really, you know, what's the point of the song? What are we trying to get across and don't step on the vocalist and off you go. So you can have, you know, there's a lot of freedom that, you know, scoring media doesn't have. Uh, so I suppose in that way, I, I, that's a, it's a nice change, uh, but as far as you know, did I uh, series over over uh, a film or even over advertising? It's like they're all a lot of fun. They all have a lot of opportunity to express yourself in different ways. Um, what do, yeah. do you write for your for yourself? Do you have uh, do you have a record or anything that you're working on that is just your own artistic expression to get it out there? I haven't done a whole lot of that in my career. You know, part of it has been that I've always been busy enough that when I have time off, I kind of want to have time off (laughs) and, and, (laughs) and, and I've, and I've, and, you know, I, and to the point where I get to express myself in so many different ways, it it wasn't too often that I found myself sitting there saying, you know, I'd really like to do a blankety blank and it not be something that I may have written in some way, shape or form not that long ago. Um, So, I never really have. I mean, I've released most of the, you know, I have a bunch of soundtracks, uh, yeah. you know, on your on your favorite streaming service uh, <laughs> that you can listen to. Um, and, uh, you know, really this, this album that I'm working on right now with a band called The Ironsides is really the first foray into that. Yeah. Um, I have on occasion just written some things to write them, but they were never really... You know, they didn't really have a a a, a point of uh, they didn't have a focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you know, as soon as as soon as lockdown happened last a year ago, um, it was maybe the beginning of April, and I was like, well, I have time on my hands, and I'd rather not focus on what's going on around me. So mm-hmm. let me just write some music, and I wrote a bunch of things, mm-hmm. and it was maybe like five or six you know, things. I called it quarantine creations and, you know, sent it, you know, posted <laughs> around people listened to it. And it was, it was, you know, some fun music to write. Uh, but, uh, I think this, uh, this album that I, I would think would, it'll definitely be coming out before the end of the year. 
um, is probably, um, a, a, you know, an expression of me. But you know, it's yeah. it's a uh, you know, it's a psychedelic soul cinematic stuff. It's it's definitely throwback, I can't music, wait to hear which it. I love, which I love writing. Um, really but cool. you know, even at that point, it's like, I don't know if someone hadn't said, reached out to me and said, Hey, we'd really like to do this and have you involved in it. I don't know that I would have written it otherwise. Yeah. So yeah. awesome. Um, I also wanted to kind of circle back to, uh, something that you had mentioned like way at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, you had brought up that when you finished school, um, you were advised to, you know go somewhere where the work is. And um, would you say that that still holds true? And uh, from what you've seen, how would uh, the landscape differ as far as, you know, what cities are um, are probably present the most opportunities today? Like is New York still um, a good place for a uh, young composer that's just getting started or audio professional that's just getting started or sure you know are there maybe other places well i I think it's i think uh, some things have changed some things are different and some things haven't changed at all i think it it kind of goes back to what are you hoping to do if you want to write music for films you should be in los angeles end of story Mm. it's it's not that you can't do it from somewhere else but you're going to have a much easier time finding opportunities if you're where everybody's mind is on films and series. It just is. Um, Are there opportunities in New York? Sure. Uh, Is it the same ones in L? Is it the same number as in LA? No, not even close. Uh, But, you know, now if you really love documentaries, New York's a good city to be in. There's a lot of documentary, a lot of documentarians in New York. Um, If you if you really want to be in advertising, well, you know, now it's, it's a bit more nebulous. I mean, New York has a lot, LA has a lot. Um, you know, Austin has a few places, mm-hmm. I think, but you know, do you really need to be in the city? Well, I don't know. I mean, I know people that I've, that I work with who at some point we met each other before we started working. So we could kind of sit down, hang out, get a vibe. You know, you're not really going to be able to do that if you're not in the same city. Now, maybe you, maybe you live, you know, in Philadelphia or outside of Philly and you come to New York for the day and meet some people and then go back. I mean, you know, there are ways where you don't necessarily have to be exactly in the city, but you can still make yourself uh, seen and, and, and be able to introduce. I mean, there's something about actually a face-to-face meeting that leaves an impression yeah. that emails and phone calls and texts can't. What about... Um- what about Music City? You know, Nashville, I don't know. I, you know, well, if you're in gaming is an arena that I am not well versed in. I have not worked in it. Um, but there is a huge opportunity for composers in gaming. Uh, well, and really an audio blanket across the board, uh, sound design and, you know, engineering. Um, and... I'm not exactly sure what is the best city for gaming. I obviously I think it's up in up in Seattle. Is EA still up around in there or Vancouver? I can't remember. Um, Nashville, I, I'm not sure. I know at the moment there are they are a burgeoning site for uh, recording orchestras. Instead of going overseas, people are going to to Nashville. Um, Which but is I, fantastic. you know, I'm not. Sh- yeah, I'm not really sure what the landscape for a composer there is. I mean, if you're a songwriter, 
it's not it's probably not a bad place because there still is a little bit of that whole kind of you know song people who literally just write songs for other people to record that's that does still exist in Nashville I I don't know to the degree but um you know in any other cities you know I'm not I I'm not sure I'm not sure I um I know there's a lot of game development in Austin I've sure. known a few composers uh from there that work in games that have told me that it's a really good place for that um Good to but, know. you know, it, it still seems like L.A. is the center of everything, both for film and for games. Yeah, I mean, even with, you know, what, it com- what I think it comes down to is that even with all the technology and certainly the last year has proven how much can get accomplished without yeah. any of us being in the same room. Um, when we can all be, people like to be able to um, connect with you in a real way. And that tends to be face to face. It's like, you know, a director is going to want to, Hey, I want to come over and, you know, let's talk about that scene. I mean, it's going to happen. A game developer is going to be like, Hey, can you come by, you know, with the, you know, we're going to bring the sound design team in. We want to have a conversation. It's like, they're going to want you to come in and the, you know, the, the connection that you make with people when you're actually in the same room with them is, is, is very important and you can't really do it any other way. I mean, you know, this is, this is how, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how many friends you have that you've never actually been in the same room with. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's that's hard a to really do good point. I guess you're saying that I can't stay forever in my pajamas in my, uh, Living room, uh, doing Joe, audio. You can come by in your pajamas. You can do a. <laughs> what? I can't remember the director who wears pajamas all the time. Why can't oh, I think gosh, of? He's also an artist. Yeah, I don't you know, know who I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, you can wear your pajamas, Joe. You'll just be, you know, eccentric. <laughs> don't don't let that. It's New York, okay. baby. If there was yeah, ever a city, you could walk around wearing pajamas. Jesus. Pajamas, flip flops, slippers. Yeah, yeah. If, and that's me. Fine. Nice. That's my new yeah. thing. Um, do it and a bathrobe. On top. Yeah, well, yeah. If it's better. cold, you know, if it's chilly. For, for protection. Yeah, there's yeah, a chill you know. in the air. <laughs> <laughs> might see uh, a lot more of that when uh, things start to reopen. <laughs> yes, we might. Lou, it's been really great. I really appreciate you doing this. and um, uh, My pleasure. There's Likewise. so much good information here that um, I guess to, to wrap things up and kind of like bring things back around, I think your advice is keep open. Keep open to opportunities, meet mm-hmm. people, meet lots mm-hmm. of people, and mm-hmm. you know just take take chances. There's a lot of different uh, vocations within music within that realm, and I think from your story, I understood. Hey, you were an orchestrator, and you happened to go to a place where nobody was an orchestrator and you were able to just slip right in and do a job that needed to be done. You know, uh, you made yourself indispensable there. I always tried to do that, like learn everything you can and then see who hires you to do it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, I have a quote here that I I found online and, and I just like it. I think it's sort of apropos. Um, The sooner you make a choice, the sooner you can make an adjustment see what happens. And if it's not cool, change. If it is cool, flow with the river, which is another uh, thing that I picked up from you early on. Um, Your career is like a river. I like that quote. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing I would say is, you know, when you're in the, at that early stage and you're like, well, I need to have a job. Well, you know, it would be much a better use job for you, you know, in the in the broader spectrum is, is like if you could get a job being an assistant at a place where they, they're they're recording anything. I don't it could be voiceovers, it could be a post house, it could be a, 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 anything like that, a video facility, you know, a, 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 an effects facility, anything like that. That job is going to be better for your career possibly than working at Starbucks. Because you're going to meet people. Yeah. You're, you're not really going to meet yeah. anyone at good, Starbucks. Good point. It's yeah. It's like if you're, you know, it's better to have a, a crap job that's in, that's at least in the industry that you're trying to get into than it is to just have a crap job. Um, and and one other thing I would, I would add for, you know, anyone who's a composer is you should be writing as much as you possibly can. Write, 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 yeah. write as much as you possibly can and learn to write quickly. That's one thing we really didn't talk about. Oh, but, yeah. Right. You yeah. know, the the time constraints on what you have to do are immense. I mean, often something like a, an ad is, I mean, a little bit of a luxury. You get a day. Um, you know, when, when you start talking <laughs> films and series, it's like you're cranking out music like you can't believe. And when you hear some of these stories of film composers who got brought in Maybe they were, you know, for whatever reason, they got brought in late or uh, maybe they were replacing somebody or whatever. And you hear, you know, they did the score in two weeks. They did the score in three weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then they get an Academy Award for that score. Um, It's not like they just phoned it in for three weeks. You know, they didn't sleep a whole lot and they're incredibly talented musicians. And, you know, they had been writing a lot of music before that happened. I mean, that goes back to the being prepared. It's like, you can be a good composer, but it's really hard to be a good composer who writes quickly if you're not doing it a lot. So just write, write, write. You know, the other thing I would say is, you know, write some stuff that isn't very good. Um, I know, I know early in my career, I was very precious when I was writing music. It was like very picky. It was like some things would take me forever because it just wasn't right. And it had to be right. And the truth is, is it would have done me a lot more service if I had just plowed through and then moved on to the next thing and then move on to yeah, the next yeah. thing. Even if you're just fiddling around for yourself, it's like, just, you know, move through it or ditch it and move on to, to doing something else. And that will really make you a better composer, five, 10 15 years down the road. That's yeah, great I think advice. That's really great advice. Let it flow and get um, as fast as you can. Yeah. Write and but, practice. I guess it's just practice. Yeah. 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 It's really, it's no different than, than an instrumentalist running scales. It's like, you're going to screw up while you're doing it. They're not going to be, you're not going to have it the whole time. There's going to be that awkward phase where you're, you know, going from one tempo to a faster tempo and getting things under your fingers or, you know, for jazz guys, you know, learning two five licks in every key. It's like, there's that whole awkward phase where it isn't right. Well, you should be having an awkward phase as a composer. If you're not, you're not stretching. If you're not, if you're not trying things that fail, then you're not doing anything new. You're not trying Mm -hmm. anything interesting. So, you know, I, I assure you, I could pull up some stuff that does not work. That, you know, that isn't good that I've tried, you know, and because I, because I did that the next time I went to do it, it was, it was successful or at least more successful. Um, so, you know, don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be precious. Yeah. Don't be precious about it. Just keep on writing. You know, I, there's a book, it's called the writer's way. Oh, sure. Um, the thing I got, uh, from it was wake up every morning and just write. 
Mm-hmm. You don't have anybody to write for. Just literally write. Oh. Write a page every day. Yep. Well, about yep. what, Joe? Just about anything. Make up a story. Make up a character. Yep. And yep. the more you do that, you'd have you know hundreds of stories in one year. And one of those stories could be the beginning of something amazing. Well, or or right. or just something to draw on when you're doing whatever you're doing. So you know, someday you were you know you decided to write on the way uh, the sun was hitting the wall in your apartment, and then three years later you're writing a book and you want to depict what a room looks like, and you're mm. like, oh, what was that thing I said? I remember the and it's I assure you, yeah. it's going to come out of that little file cabinet in your head. Yeah. The same thing's true of music. Yeah, remember that? What did I do that technique? What did I do? What was that thing? Oh yeah, it was a big voicing and fourths. That thing was cool. I could use that here. It's like you want to, you know, you want to have this, you know, muscle memory of things yeah. that you can draw upon, and and those noodling sketches, bad things, whatever, you know, are are just as important as something that you wrote that was successful. Uh, so, yeah. you know, and I think that, we're all busy. We're, you know, I know Bobby, you're you're really really busy, but if you could find yeah. fifteen minutes, fifteen minutes to open up your uh, your DAW. And write anything, write a theme, write, you know, something, even if that's all you have. I mean, you know, I try and do that every day just with like working out, you know, otherwise, you know, this already, this old body will just go completely to hell if I don't, if I don't do that. (laughs) So I, I spend no matter what, 15 minutes a day doing some type of exercise. And I think that's important to do with music. I think it's important to do with writing. Yeah. And I, I also think that you know, there's a great advantage that a composer, ha- a young composer has today that I certainly didn't have is if you want to learn about something, it takes about 30 seconds on YouTube to find a, a probably, well, there's a, I could go on for hours about the stuff you shouldn't listen to on YouTube, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but there's, there's plenty of opportunities to learn about things in a way that I didn't have. There's, there's, you know, yeah. transcriptions of scores all over the place. There's people talking about techniques. There's people talking about how to use a particular sample library. There's, I mean, it's just an endless amount of resources that, you know, if I wanted to learn something, it's like I had to sit and pick it off, off of the record. <laughs> yeah. I had to, you know, <laughs> I had to sit down, you know, I had to, I had to sit down with a, with a, with a Stravinsky score that cost me an ungodly amount of money and sit there and, you know, try and figure out what's this and, you know, even, and do it on my own where now, you know, you can find, there's a lot of competent people out there talking about things, a lot of incompetent ones too, but you'll find the competent ones. And it's like, so even if you're like, well, I don't feel like writing. Well, at the very least you should be absorbing knowledge if you're not, I mean, that's just as important. So definitely. There's there's plenty of opportunities to become a great composer. I used to slow down, uh, you know, guitar solos uh, on my reel to reel machine, sure, you know, to learn sure. them, you know, and uh, <laughs> and now you it's can have somebody tedious. teach it to you note for note on YouTube. <laughs> oh, yeah, if I if I I was a when I was when I was a teenager when I went to when I went to college I was a tenor saxophone player. I immediately put it in a closet as soon as I was done with the requirements at Berkeley because I was not going to be a professional saxophonist. I met too many that were like godlike, and I'm like, this isn't going to be my career. Mm. Um, but then it's like exactly it's like if I wanted to to try a Coltrane solo, it was painstakingly transcribing. Where today I could probably find every single one of them transcribed in YouTube at this point. So 
It's amazing. Well, this has been a this has been a great uh, a great show. I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna try and wrap it up here because I think we can probably talk um, in through the through the weekend. Yeah. Well, this is <laughs> probably yeah, we probably could, but yeah, I, th- I think we I hope we've covered some good things, and I I, I hope I hope uh, I, I've answered your questions and shed some light on uh, life in the uh, composing world. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of uh, really valuable insight that I think, you know, will help me and will help other people in, uh, you know, a similar position. Excellent. And, you know, do you need any, um, do you need any young uh, arrangers or uh, ghostwriters? (laughs) I asked, I I, I, I put you on the spot for for Bob. You have put me on the spot. No, I can't. (laughs) Well, as it's, I, I like to have names in the contact list. So, you just never know. You just never know. This, but this is a perfect example. This is networking. This is meeting yeah. somebody because you just yeah. never know when. For all I know, someone's gonna. I'm gonna be busy, and someone's gonna say, "I have this thing," and you know, I need some music. And a little on the prog side, who am I gonna send them to? There you I'm go. Gonna send them to Bobby. I mean, you just never know. Yeah. I'll I'll take one more. You never know story. I have a friend who's a cellist. Mm-hmm. Um, he once got a phone call from someone to play, uh, I don't know if you, you you must know about this. I think Google used to have this exclusive event out in Montana where they would fly dignitaries oh, and heads yeah. of state and all these, it was like Hillary Clinton and Colin Powell and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and every, you know, every high end thing. And they wanted someone to play some cello. So, a, a, he gets the information. A car picks him up, puts him on the private plane. He takes his cello. He goes out to this event. Every single person <laughs> there has had their their cell phone confiscated because it's you know zip zip like it never happened. Yeah, plays cello, does the whole thing. The reason he got that gig is because of someone who was waiting tables that he knew gave oh, his name wow. to somebody. Oh wow! So you just never know. Yeah, where your next gig is gonna come from. Wow, that's a great story. So on that note, this was really fantastic. I appreciate it. I know Bobby appreciates it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I wish everybody out there who's listening the best of luck in your career. Uh, It takes hard work, but it can be done. It can be done. A little bit of luck and a lot of hard work and things happen. Thanks for listening to the Audio Pro Network podcast. AudioProNetwork.com is the world's only private social network for audio professionals that includes a mentorship platform for the next generation. Visit today and check it out. 